this episode of the ESG Beat, we will speak with Seth Jaffe, the Executive Vice President and General Counsel of Levi Strauss & Co. Levi's has been a values-driven company since its founding in 1853. Examples of this include being the first company to provide domestic partner benefits and advocating for gun violence prevention. Today, we will discuss how Seth incorporates that values-driven culture into his role as General Counsel. We will also delve into whether there's a tension between value and values in the COVID-19 era. Welcome to the ESG Beat, Seth. Thanks, Amelia. I'm delighted to be here. So this ESG Beat will focus on Levi's articulation of its business purpose and social purpose, something that we've discussed many times in the past. But before we get started, I wanted to have you tell our audience a little bit about your role. So my role takes a number of different forms at Levi's Jackson Co. when it comes to social purpose. Um, one of them is as general counsel, I am involved in some of the legal ramifications. I also oversee security. Sometimes there are security issues that come up. Uh, but more importantly, I am part of a, a senior management team and a really a subsection of that team that looks at business purpose and social issues and helps advise the CEO on them. In addition to the CEO, of course, I work as general counsel with the board. And one of the big issues that that I deal with and that I work with the chairman of the board and CEO on is what should go to the board? What kind of business purpose issues, what kind of social issues do we need to consult the board on? And that kind of governance is core to what I do as general counsel and what the company expects from me. And then last, um, in my particular case, I uh, oversee uh, the Levi Strauss Foundation and I am uh, on the board of the Levi Strauss Foundation as well. And so I do a fair bit of social purpose work on the foundation as both input to the company and input to the now, that thoughtful approach to the governance of social purpose is um, perhaps a reflection of how seriously the company takes its social purpose. And so let's pivot to that question now. Purpose has become a buzzword since the business roundtable statement last year. But can you describe for us um, Levi Strauss and Co.'s historical approach to social purpose and business purpose? Sure. And I, I think it goes back a little bit further than the business roundtable because it goes really back to Levi Strauss, the man himself, who started the company in 1853. And soon after that, in fact, the very first year he was in business, decided to become involved in philanthropy. He was proud of being known as both a philanthropist and a, a business leader. But I think he was one of the early proponents of merging and, and blending the two. So you didn't always know whether he was acting as a, as a business or a philanthropic leader. Um, his descendants, who continued uh, to own a major share of the company and who were the leaders of the company exclusively until the 1980s, uh, continued that tradition and expanded upon it. In fact, one of the great uh, quotes was from Walter Hobbs Jr., who was the CEO from the late 50s all the way through the 60s and into the late 70s. And he said that each of us, has the capacity to not only make uh, business a source of, uh, of economic wealth, but also a force for social and economic justice. 
So that was the CEO of a big company at the time. And we've continued that uh, tradition through the years, and including things like our, being the first company to have a terms of engagement guiding our sourcing policy um, and staying with that and expanding into the importance of sustainability, uh, extending um, benefits to domestic partners, being the first uh, Fortune 500 company to do so and continuing that work in LGBTQ issues, um, talking about and act, being active uh, in the HIV AIDS fight, um, uh, looking at and fighting uh, for gun violence prevention and being active in, in that set of issues. And most recently in the whole range of social justice issues around endemic racism in our society. Thank you so much for that, Seth. And that is a, a wide range of, of issues that you've shown tremendous leadership on over the years. My question is this, as general counsel, do you ever worry about conflicts between the board's fiduciary duties and your company's extremely progressive articulation of its social purpose? So I think a lot about that, but I don't worry about it. Most investors and most shareholders uh, generally want companies to have a sense of what its social purpose is and have a sense of values. Investors like consumers are interested in this very common phrase now, value and values. So we think that knowing what our values are and keeping them front and center is core to essentially the investment thesis in, in our company. And as long as we are clear about it, I think there's no concern about fiduciary duty. Uh, I will I'll give you two, two stories about that. One, when we went public, uh, we took a roadshow to about 45 potential investors. And in every case, we said, look, we speak out on social issues, we're active on social issues. That's who we are. If that's uncomfortable for you, and the, the one at the time that was most prominent was gun violence prevention, if that's uncomfortable, uncomfortable for you, you probably shouldn't invest in our company. Well, of those roughly 45 potential investors, 43 of them said, it's not a problem. Uh, two of them said, you know, you're right. This isn't really the kind of company we think we want to invest in. And that was fine with us. The other thing that I, I, I think about is recently I was listening to a conversation with Marty Lipton, who's probably one of the, who is certainly one of the great experts on corporate law in America. And, and Marty Lipton said the following, that there is absolutely no tension whatsoever between complying with fiduciary duty as a board member and cor fulfilling corporate purpose. And I figured if he's got that figured out, we can too. Certainly, uh, Wachtell Lipton and Marty Lipton in particular are advocates of uh, stakeholder governance. Um, and I am a, a big fan of um, their thought leadership in that area as well. Um, let's uh, turn to how you as general counsel guide the company and guide the board and the CEO on what social issues to engage on. So we think about this in a, in a couple of ways. And, and and I say we because there are several people in the company who feel it's an important part of their job to do this. The general counsel, for sure. The head of the foundation, for sure. 
the uh, head of what we call corporate affairs as well, and ultimately the CEO. He, uh, our CEO, Chip Berg, is very clear that corporate purpose is an, an important part of what we should be thinking about, what he wants us to make recommendations to him about, and he considers himself the chief values officer of the company. So what we do is we think about what's going on that affects first and foremost our employees. And then we think about uh, whether there are issues in which we've been involved historically so that we have a track record and therefore some credibility on, on speaking about them. So that would include sustainability, as I said earlier, LGBTQ issues, uh, worker well-being, as we call it, the, the issues around the safety and health and general well-being beyond physical and financial health, uh, the general well-being of the people who make our clothes and all clothes in the apparel industry worldwide. And then a category that I would loosely call social justice issues that includes things like racism and gun violence prevention. And what we will do is we look at whether they are first is an impact to our employees, uh, to our consumers, to our vendors, to our customers. And if there is, we feel not only entitled to speak out on the critical ones, but we feel it's an important thing to do. Beyond that, it then becomes a question of how core is this? How critical to, to us uh, is it? Do we have credibility historically? Is this something on the, in which the company can make a difference? And uh, do we have the resources to, to put our money where our mouth is? Um, what's going to be the impact of our work? And maybe most importantly, because we're a relatively large company, but there are certainly many bigger ones, can we engage other companies either in our industry or in, in the world generally to become more involved in that. And I'd say a good example of that is getting out the vote. The vote can be a controversial issue, but really shouldn't be. No one should be against uh, ensuring that people vote. But what we've done is we've gotten involved and we've gotten many other companies involved on this time to vote issue, which is getting people to, getting companies to give their employees time off to vote in the, in the general election. Let's, um spend a few minutes uh, going a little bit deeper into one issue that um, you've committed significant resources to, which was very controversial for, for many companies, and that's gun violence prevention. Can you tell us what internal process you went through to, to make your decision uh, to engage and how your engagement has evolved over the past few years of where it stands today? Well, the first thing to note is that we're not new to the effort to stop gun violence. Um, all the way back in 1999, uh, through 1999 to, uh, to 2002, we gave about a half a million dollars uh, in grants to the Center to Prevent Youth uh, Violence to end gun violence against young people. And so we, we've, been, we've been doing this, although, um, the issue became obviously much more prominent after Sandy Hook and, um, and in the many massacres that, that have followed. Um, what we did historically, and then I'll talk a little bit about how we think about this and how we act on it process-wise, um, we, we spoke um, uh, about this uh, after, after those, some of those 
uh, Colin Line and Sandy Hook, um, and we started supporting organizations that uh, took into consideration youth voices on this issue and uh, looked to suppress gun violence. Um, and in about 2016, uh, a, a customer in one of our stores accidentally shot himself in his, in his leg while trying on a pair of jeans in one of our dressing rooms. It fortunately was not a more tragic story because he was not very badly hurt and, and no one else was hurt. But it became clear to us that the issue of guns in society, in our stores was affecting our employees and our consumers. So we asked people to stop bringing guns into our stores. Um, and uh, that got us really a lot of prominence and entered into the, the controversy around, around gun violence. We were looking to take a further uh, stand on this and we had an opportunity in 2018 to, to put out a, an op-ed piece on, uh, on the, the dangers of, um, of guns in our society and the need to prevent gun violence, particularly uh, against youth. One of the things we've done is um, we, we have, uh, we've really taken three approaches. One is to uh, join every town for, uh, business leaders for gun safety, which is a coalition of business leaders. You know, I, I noted earlier that one of the ways that we operate is to get other people involved, to try to build uh, a, a greater coalition on the issues that, that really matter so that um, our resources can go in further by, by bringing other people into the conversation. Then we, we set up uh, funds to support and sustain the momentum that many of these organizations have. So uh, organizations that are working on, on fighting gun violence. Let me give you an example of one of those. Uh, there's an organization called Live Free, which is run by uh, Pastor Mike McBride and Live Free uh, looks to combat gun violence, particularly in inner cities where it has a disproportionate impact on black and brown youth in our society. And so by supporting Pastor Mike's organization, Live Free, we're, we're helping him fight gun violence and support uh, the, the, the black and brown youth in the inner cities. We also have, uh, been working with um, Pastor Mike as one of our pioneers in justice through the Levi Strauss Foundation so that he can help take some of his learnings and, and spread them with other people who work with the foundation. And then the third thing is we encourage our employees to get involved, get engaged, give money, do whatever they can, what they feel comfortable with and working on uh, the gun violence issue. So. We are very focused on it. Um, it. This year, it's also tied up in the voting uh, work that we're doing. So it's a very hot issue. The way we decide as a governance matter to do this is that a number of us will make uh, a recommendation to the CEO and come up with a strategy. Let's say, here's what we should be doing as a matter of philanthropic donations or as a matter of public statements or just generally a strategy around, in this case, gun violence. And then we, we go to our board of directors and either, in, in most cases, we'll say to them, look, this is consistent with, with things that we've talked about with you as a board. This is what we're planning to do. 
um, we'd like your blessing. Sometimes we go and ask permission because it's a big enough PR risk to the company that we want to make sure the board feels that it's a risk worth taking. But in general, we don't come asking the board, what should we do? We come with a strategy that has been vetted both before it gets to the CEO and the general counsel, and, and then we take it to the board for the okay. Every time we've had this conversation, it's been in a bull market. And today we're having the conversation in during a pandemic and after the Black Lives Matter movement. How has that pandemic and racial injustice impacted your decisions with respect to ESG? It's a great question because um, this is a time when a number of people inside and outside of our company and every company are saying, is ESG going to continue during a time when business is really, really tough? And business is really, really tough, not just for us, but but for everybody in, in almost every line. Uh, so first of all, in the pandemic, clearly priorities get, get uh, focused. One, and our top priority is always going to be the safety and health of our employees and our consumers. And so we, we do whatever we have to do. And we've, we've done some, some very uh, uh, effective things in, in ensuring that our employees and our consumers remain safe. Um, similarly, we look to what is the impact going on in the communities in which we, we work and those that we touch and we've used our, our foundation and our corporate affairs group to ensure that people who have been hurt by the, the virus and the economic devastation that it has caused have a safety net, either our own employees or people in the communities. and. Um, Unfortunately, that also means that many black and brown communities suffer disproportionately more. And we are very focused on, on no, ensuring that we can do what, whatever it is we can do to help those communities uh, with our financial support. But the other thing that, that's happening is it has forced us to really examine uh, because of those people saying, can you really do ESG at a time of a pandemic and at a time when your business is so far off, when you've had to close stores, all your, we've, we've closed all 3,100 stores for a period this year. We are, some of our biggest customers have been closed for long periods of time. It's, it's a really tough time. And that, that question has really forced us to consider who we are as a company, that we are a values-based company. So it's not a question of, all right, are we gonna put a hold on values during the course of the pandemic? Rather, in fact, it, it, we're gonna double down. We're going to ensure that our values drive all of our actions, not only to help the, the people who depend on us like employees, but also uh, to help the communities and to continue to speak up. The racial justice crisis that has come up in this country wasn't planned to be uh, during a, the pandemic, although I'm sure it, it had something to do with it, but it's here now and it's an opportunity for us to do something to ensure that we look at our own house and get our own house in order and that we help the, the American society address racial justice in a more effective way and, and, and keeping it prominent in, in the work that we do. So I'd say that ESG is more important than ever, even as we're in difficult business times. 
So I always like to end the ESG beat by giving our guests a magic wand and a crystal ball. And you've talked a little bit about um, both uh, the magic wand and the crystal ball already. So I have a hunch for what you're going to say, but I'm going to go ahead and give you that wand and ask if you could wave your wand and cause companies to change something about the way that they're addressing their social purpose, what would that be? And then for the crystal ball, what do you predict will happen? So if I had the magic wand, social purpose would not be a nice to have or a, a thought uh, across uh, the, uh, the minds of, of some businesses in the United States, but rather every business uh, and every function within every business would have some clarity and, and, and a point of view on what their social purpose is, wh what is their role in society, and they would explain it. They would, they would say why, uh, because I think it's, it's a core part of what it means to be an effective company in these times. That's what I'd love to see happen. What I think will happen is, I don't think we're gonna see much backsliding on social purpose among the companies that have traditionally stepped up. And I think we'll see it from more companies. Certainly those that deal with consumers um, will be incentivized to do so. And in some cases forced to do so because I think consumers will demand it, uh, especially where government is not stepping in. So companies like ours will, will continue to, to be active. I think there will be new companies that become more active. And yes, there will certainly be some companies that despite all the opportunities in front of them uh, will choose to, to stay on the sidelines. And um, they, they will have uh, further opportunities, I'm sure, but um, at, at some point you have to say uh, different v visions of what a company can do is really part of how our society operates. But I, I do think we're going to see more, not less, uh, corporate purpose going forward. I hope that you're right, Seth, and I look forward to... Um... Uh, discussing these issues uh, throughout the year and for, for years to come. Um, so grateful for your time. Thank you so much for being with us today. It's been my pleasure. I'm Amelia Miazad from Berkeley Law. Thank you for staying on the ESG Beat with me today.